<laughs> Welcome to the Fan Freaks Podcast, episode 133. You're listening to the show where we freak out about our favorite movies, games, comics, and any media in between. This is uh, it is I, James, Dr. Rude Ramos, MD, and I am joined by my favorite gimp. <laughs> Bringing that, uh, bringing back the lore, uh, agent, the masterful dude of doodliness, the face that runs the place, the host with the most and the most grandose co-host. Wait, <laughs> we're missing one. We're missing the the beautiful bone. The beautiful bone is uh, is not here. He is uh, he's currently assembling his minions. Yeah, right. But uh, <laughs> most likely, he wants to be the minion. Hey. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the show must go on. Uh, today's show is going to be a uh, what? No, no, it's going to be oh. a what? A question of the week. What makes a good Batman story? Yeah. A little topical, given, you know, the recent success of a certain Cape Crusader movie. Uh, but before we get into that, do you have any recents? Actually, I do. And I think mm. you and I might have an argument. Uh, let's first start off with the fact that I think it's a okay movie for me, but the most recently Academy Award nominated film directed by, I think this is his first movie directing, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. Oh yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I've been dying to see it. Uh, it's on, uh, Netflix. I think it's a Netflix film and it stars uh, Andrew Garfield and yes. a plethora of uh, famous Broadway actors. Like it's filled to the brim. Like Lin-Manuel just went ham on getting everybody who even walked Broadway street <laughs> to just get on there. Uh, I do have to say, I am not, uh, you you are more musically inclined than I am in terms of that. Both you and the Bone mm-hmm. have that in common, and Lindsay's probably gonna kill me right now. Maybe uh, I don't think it was. I don't think it deserves to be nominated. Wow, that's harsh. Look, Andrew, wonderful mm-hmm. actor, amazing actor. I love him to death. But I just think there are better movies. All right. Let me not say nominated, but I don't think it should win. Because I haven't seen okay. I haven't seen the entire uh, you know, gallery, the ten films that they've nominated, mm-hmm. but this is my fourth one I've watched, and two of them are distinctly better films than this. Granted, the production value is really good. I think for his first film that i think of i i don't know if he directed other ones did he direct in the heights uh no i don't believe so and that one uh a lot of people really like that one i think you watched it oh yeah i did uh i the 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 broadway musical was much better than the film oh okay well this one i think the uh the same could be said here while the acting's good and I think the writing's pretty good. The songs are actually from the guy who did Rent. Mm-hmm. Like, these are songs that he never published or something like that, um, according to the story. But there's something that happens in the third act that makes me go, that's why I was nominated. Huh. Interesting. Um, 
I'll wait till you watch it because I don't want to spoil. Uh, but I don't. I don't know if anybody like if you have two hours to kill and you want to watch a musical, go ahead. It's uh, it's on Netflix. Another thing that I also watched on Netflix was a quirky little funny documentary thing called Attack of the Movie Clichés. Okay. Which was pretty funny. It goes through the one-man army, the the rogue cop, uh, the rom-com thing, and it breaks down what are the the missteps in it and how funny they are that they that they're so expected now that it's almost like a failure if we don't see these cliches. Um, it's about an hour long. Rob Lowe narrates it, and he's always funny. Uh. Pretty decent. Uh, then we have a movie I watched with Julio and Papa Rude, uh, Nobody. I finally got to watch that. Um, really fucking great. I did not think I would like it that much. Uh, Bob Odenkirk really, oh. really sold the mild-mannered on me. Oh, um, is this the one where, like, it's like the John Wick type thing? <laughs> yeah, John Wick, but if he was middle-aged and happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's an older John wick. And then you have, uh, Christopher Lloyd's there, doc Brown, and he plays, uh, the dad and Riza is Bob Odenkirk's brother, which is uh, pretty fucking funny. Now, lastly, my last recent is something that, uh, I've been playing nonstop. It's, it's quite a bit of it. Um, and this is funny to me because it's a PS3 game that got remastered for the PS4 and I'm playing it on a PS5. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning That sounds like a made up name I guess all names are made up names But that sounds like a made up name I guarantee you it's 100% legit <laughs> um, So funny story This game uh, Was kinda gonna be DOA From the start Because the guy who made it Or at least the dev head who made it Um went into bankruptcy as soon as the game kind of launched. He spent all of his money on it, all that poor planning. Uh, then THQ Nordic bought the the rights to it, and then they remastered it for the PS4 to kind of see if anybody would play it. Obviously, with a name like Kingdoms of Amalur, it's a fantasy RPG. What no makes way. this different is... While it is a third person, it's not turn-based, it has a plethora of weapons. Your your square and your triangle are your primary, secondary uh, attacks with two different weapons. Um, You have a shield. You have also mages. You have plenty of skills. The combat's really good. The AI, less said the better. But uh, (laughs) the the story's okay, but it's, it's really fun. It's really fun to just... Have a time sink Wait in, a, in a an second. RPG. Hold on, though. Hold on. We got to back up for a second. Do you know who the designers on this game are? No. Todd McFarlane and R.A. Salvatore. For those of you who don't know, R.A. Salvatore has pretty much written every book that matters in the Forgotten Realms lore, which is the rel- the, the lore of D&D. Well, why haven't you played this? I don't know. 
Uh, this is really up your alley. One of the things that you would probably like, though, you know how there's sometimes triangle format, like if you're either a sorcerer, you're either a rogue, you're either a warrior, right? Like mm -hmm. there's like these branches. This game allows you to either be completely one of those three or you can mix and match to be like two of these three. So that's you can dope. be a barbarian sorcerer, which is what I'm doing now. Um, oh, that's cool. But really, I think you would really like it. It's really fluid and a lot of fun. Um, and it was for free on PlayStation Plus, and fuck it. I just, I was bored of playing Division. It got boring real quick. Ubisoft mm. games really are <laughs> difficult. Like, I was looking at, like, Breakpoint, because it was on sale, and I was like, man, I remember liking it. And then I was like, man, nobody's playing that, so I wouldn't like it anymore. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, that's that's the end of my recents, brother. What do you got? Okay, uh, well, fuck it. I'll start with a video game also. Uh, it's a game that's actually free right now on the Epic Game Store for PC. Mm. Um, which, I mean, to their credit, Epic gives away a lot of free games. Just literally for free. Like, you know, you're, like I'm not on a monthly subscription or anything. And they just are constantly giving away free games, which is really cool. Wouldn't got that be the reason? I mean... Uh, I don't. I don't know. You're more well versed in PC stuff than I am. But isn't that one of the ways to defeat Steam or at least compete with Steam? Oh no, for sure. Okay. So what what you get on Epic? Sorry. So it's a game called In Sound Mind. Oh, what's? It what is, is a survival it? horror game. So I've highly recommended it to the Bone King. Um, but it's, a, so it's a survival horror game where like, so you wake up in the basement of this building mm -hmm. and as you learn about your character, you learn that you are a psychologist and some entity who will call you on any phone that you pass by. Like if you pass by a phone, it'll start ringing and then you pick it up and this entity starts like, like negative, like speaking negativity at you and he's using potentially your failure to help some of your patients against you. Oh, you're a doctor. You're a psychologist. Oh, okay. Wow. That's uh, that's so, deep. so like the monsters. It, so there, there's some, I, I, again, I, I'm not, I haven't beat it yet, but there's this weird like gas that's, that's leaked and it causes some kind of psychoactive effect. And then you literally go into these scenes that tie directly into some of your patients and like the boss fights are super interesting. Uh, you you're not like uh, it's not like one of those ones where you're completely unarmed. Like you have you have a gun, you have access to weapons, um, but you also have like stealth options. And I don't know. It's just it's it's really it's a really different aesthetic and vibe for a survival horror game. Like, it's not really that scary to me as much as it is intriguing and tense. Like, Would you say more? it's more along the lines of a Silent Hill than a Resident Evil? Yes. Oh, definitely more along the lines of a Silent Hill than a Resident Evil. Uh, but it's even more... It's even less straightforward horror than Silent Hill. It's way more abstract. Mm. It's definitely got like this level of like, like 
artistry kind of like the 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 palette is sometimes very colorful or there's just very colorful moments contrasted against like all the black and dark uh it's a beautiful game uh when did it come out i don't remember it's not a super recent game but uh yeah i highly recommend it and again if what, you have what's the name the, again in sound mind In sound mind. It came out. Oh no, it came out last year, so 2021. All right. Um uh, may I, it's, a, I it's available on all platforms, by the way. It's available on the Switch, PlayStation 5, all the oh, PlayStation, all, all the Xboxes, all that good shit. I have uh, one question. Yes. Is it how what what's the perspective? Is it a 2D? First person. It's first person? I'm first in. person 3D. Oh, I like uh, this. Oh, oh, you're going to love it because the only character, the only friendly character you meet is a cat. Hell yeah. And uh, as soon as you pet the cat, you get a, a trophy unlocked. It's called Game of the Year, 10 out of 10. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is Game yeah. of the Year. Uh, and I'm not going to I don't want to say anything else about the cat because the cat uh, or at least there's cat motifs kind of throughout the game. And it's super interesting. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, highly recommend. There are some legitimately creepy moments that even caught me off guard. And I think they're even more effective because of how downplayed the creepiness is in the rest of the game. Hmm. Okay. Like, for example, there, there's this one level and there's these mannequins that just appear behind you they never attack you they never do anything in fact they're often quite helpful but it's one of those things where like you turn your camera away for a second when you look back the mannequin is there great great i'm a i'm a scaredy cat i'm quite a bitch as uh most people will tell you when it comes to like scary movies and shit so this this sounds like up my alley <laughs> it's uh, i like i said it's so far, I'm really enjoying it, and it's a, a great free offering from the Epic Game Store. Not that I really want to like sit here and you know uh, blow up the Epic Game Store, but you know the the fact that they're offering all these really cool free, often indie titles, is pretty dope. They recently offered like uh, remakes of Centipede and Black Widow, which is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. Oh, and they also had, I think, I don't know if it's still free, but City Skylines was also free recently. Oh, you anyway. talked about that with, uh, George a while back. Yeah. That yep. was on an yep, episode. Yep, yep. Sorry. It sure was. Uh, that's it for video games. I've still been playing lots of Hunt and Hades. Uh, but other than that, I've watched some movies. Uh, I'm going to start with Venom 2. <gasps> it wasn't that bad. I didn't Fuck think it off. was. <laughs> it wasn't, dude. I don't know what the like it to me was exactly the same as the first one. I actually think it was worse. Okay. But but I don't remember the first one that much, so I'll hold you to it. I like how self-aware it was. Like I li I like how silly they got with it and and to its credit, the final fight between Venom and Carnage in the church is way better. Than the fight between Venom and fucking Riot. Thrash or Riot. That's right, not Thrash. Riot. Way better than the fight between uh, Venom and Riot. Maybe because I saw it on a on a just a regular screen at a theater, not like IMAX or anything. 
maybe I should have watched it on at home. But for me, that it looked bad. I didn't like. Um, I think that was Banshee. Who was it was it? Suppo- uh, Shriek. Shriek. I didn't really care for that love story that happened between her and Woody Harrelson. I agree. Uh, um, I I don't know, man. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, no. For me, none of them. None. Of, nothing there for me is. I don't want to say the word redeemable, but nothing there for me is of value. Like, again, for me, the Venom symbiote still stays as the most charismatic character in the two films. Oh, for sure. Of course it is. And I love them, like, playing further into the, like, the slightly toxic but obviously romantic relationship that him and the symbiote have. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked them leaning into that with the leading into a full on breakup and the Venom symbiote going for a bender on the town. Like all of that was great for me. I don't know. I feel oh. like I had. Oh, go ahead. No. One more thing. This film yes. should have been an R rating. When Carnage breaks out of that prison. Yes. That should have been an R rating. Yes. I agree with that. It absolutely should have. Okay. Um, Yeah. Agreed on that. I, Venom in general, he's a lethal protector for shit's sake. But uh, which they name dropped in Venom too. They uh, they, they name dropped about, it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and he had pet chickens. <laughs> what was I? What? Hold on. What was I watching recently? Oh no, I love that. Actually, it's not re- uh, the the. I love the after credit scene from No Way Home. This is a bit of a spoiler, but whatever. It's fine. It's for Venom. Who cares? Where they're talking about like the heroes of the MCU, and he's like. And you have a green guy who's really angry. And what's his name again? The Hulk. And then the Venom goes, you thought Lethal Protector was a stupid name. Like, <laughs> that line was really good. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I had appropriate expectations for this movie. And it met those expectations. Like, it wasn't, I, I wasn't, like, I wasn't here to watch a movie with, like, you know, as a, as a think piece. It was really stupid. It was kind of irreverent. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. One out of ten? Uh, again, with the understanding that on my one out of ten scale, five is an average movie. Five yes. is average. So this is like a six and a half. Okay. I gave it a four, I think. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, um, on the other side of the spectrum, well, I guess that was whatever. Um, I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. Let's talk about this because I haven't seen it. It is. I, I, I've said this a few. I said this to you already. It's not my favorite in the franchise, but it is the best made Ghostbusters movie. Okay. When you speak of franchise, there are four films. Yes. The first two, the answer to the call in 2016, and then mm-hmm. this one. Yes. Which Which is your favorite in the franchise? The first one. Now, here's another question I have for you as a follow-up. Do you think we need a Ghostbusters franchise? No, but I think we needed this movie. Like, I would be okay if it... I'm okay with it not continuing from here. But this movie had a lot of DNA in it. Like, it has a lot of, like, legitimate Ghostbusters DNA. And it told a story that maybe we didn't need, but I'm glad it got told. 
before it, before I'm sorry to cut you off before okay. uh, it came out, you were really disappointed in the trailer because you didn't like the tone. The tone did the tra- did you like? I'm sorry. The trailer, the, the tone in the trailer was all wrong. I it, 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 it they they were kind of leaning into it being kind of Stranger Things dark, and it wasn't. Okay. Uh, the 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 the, the, the movie is actually really heartwarming. Uh, Egon is a pivotal point of the story. Oh, you're you're getting close, dancing on that tightrope for spoilers, but all I right. know, no, but it's literally in the first sec. It's the in the first minute of the movie. Uh, like the whole like the whole story is that you follow Egon's daughter and his grand uh, his very estranged daughter. Like she apparently never met him. Oh, yeah. Very estranged daughter and her children. Uh, after Egon passes away, he leaves them his farm and literally in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. And like the town only knows him as the dirt farmer. And like he's kind of seen as like the weirdo of the town. Well, and it kind of explores that relationship. What, you know, and, you know, how, like what it means, like what the Ghostbusters world is really like now in the future. Um, and it's just got great performances from pretty much everybody. How's Finn? How's uh, Finn Wolfhard's uh, role? Because yep. one of the criticisms was he's he's not in in it enough, and he he could be completely cut out, and it would be all right. It'd be the same movie. He's not the main character, though. Uh, oh, okay. The granddaughter is. Yeah, Phoebe is McKenna Grace, <sighs> and she does a fantastic job with this character. She plays a character while they don't outright say it in the movie. She clearly exhibits like uh, some neurodivergent uh, characteristics. Mm. They never say whether she's autistic or anything like that, but she does such a good job of it. Okay, it's, she's such a lovable character, and like I don't know, the the, the just the, the relationships in this movie were great. Uh, the way this ties in to the Ghostbusters lore as a whole is fantastic. It's, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to like say things without, first off, it's also directed by Jason Reitman. The son of Ivan. The son of Ivan Reitman, who, who directed the originals, which is cool. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of DNA kind of baked into this. Yeah. And he also kind of he and he's and he's talked about this, how he kind of uses his relationship with his dad as a bit of inspiration for like the uh the Egon story in this movie. Oh, okay. Um I'm gonna throw this out there. I yes. wanna ask you this. If you were Sony, uh-huh. and this this did moderately well, but yeah. Uh, it kind of made the same amount of money as 2016, but it costs way less to yeah. to to make. Would you do a sequel to this? Or hear me out, Sony Animation, give them a call, make a cartoon. So, actually, on that note, this is, and I can say this without it being a spoiler. The moment I fell in love with this movie, this movie openly makes um, the real Ghostbusters canon. Yeah, that's better than 2016 because 2016 <laughs> didn't do that. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Really? 
Cause the, uh, there, there. So, uh, look, this is it's a Ghostbusters movie. So obviously the car is in the movie. Uh, but the Ecto One in this movie has the gunner seat that they have in the cartoon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they do. So that's in this movie, and it's awesome. I love that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I truly, if you're a fan of the series and haven't seen this yet. Uh, I, I highly recommend Afterlife. If you had any trepidations, watch it. It's it's one of the best uses of like nostalgia. Yes, but also like a deceased actor's character, like as a way to use it as an homage. You know what I mean? Right. It's one of the best uses of that I've seen. Okay. Um. Quick question. Yes. One out of ten. Ten, uh, five being average. Nine point five. Damn, dude. I've watched it three times. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm, uh, I need to watch this then. I, I, I was uh, having I, a lot of trepidation over it, but yeah, I'll watch it. I will openly acknowledge it's a nostalgia trip, but it is, it is not a cash grab nostalgia trip. It is a nostalgia. It is it, it 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 uses the language of nostalgia to write a love letter to the Ghostbusters franchise. All right. And it does again and again, the cinematography in this movie is amazing. And again, I don't want to spoil anything, but the way they even furthered the lore from the original movies is fantastic. I could see them doing one more movie and it's still working all right, but anything beyond that I feel would cheapen it. And when we're off, when we're not recording, I'll explain why. Or actually, after you've seen it, I'll explain why I think they could do one more movie. Um, Got it. I'll hit you up when I see it. Okay. But that is it for my reasons. All right. What what have you got for the news? Uh, just a couple quick things. Uh, uh, in news that probably only matters to me, uh, Deborah Ann Wool is dying to get back to the role of Karen Page, so I think Netflix, uh, Disney Plus would be stupid to not include her in their new Daredevil or plans. Foggy because I love the actor for Foggy. Yeah, same, both of them. Um, uh, we got some casting news about the Mandalorian season three, which really should be called the Mandalorian season four, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, Christopher Lloyd has joined the cast of Mandalorian. Great Scott. I, I, I love that he's just out there working again. <laughs> like he's just showing up and shit, which is pretty fantastic. I'm um, proud of him. I'm happy. The Batman becomes the second pandemic era movie to pass 300 million domestically. Yeah. And I think worldwide it's itching closer to 600 million. Yep. It's getting there. Which is awesome. Good for it. It deserves and, it. I, agree. I I would argue. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the last thing, just because I think this is interesting, uh, again, talking about uh, Batman, the actor who played the Riddler in Batman is writing a year one comic for Riddler. Riddler year one. Which I'm hyped for. Because it's, that'll, it's, that'll give us a, a peek at the Batman year one. Yeah. So it's it's definitely interesting, and it's and it is like it's it is his Riddler. It's Edward Nashton. Yeah. So it's not um, tied into like the main DC continuity or anything. 
It's very interesting. I think that's pretty cool. I I will say um, one of the things that uh, Justin, early shout out, he wanted me to argue with you because Justin and I love the Batman, but you uh-huh. didn't have as much effusive praise as we have for the Batman. I don't. Uh, the only thing I didn't like is is the Riddler, which I argue is probably one of the best things about it. Okay. What what didn't you like about it? I know you talked about it on the show, but I wanted a chance to retort. Is it is he too serial killer for you? Is that it? Uh, it's it, I just think that so so I will admit this is me like bordering on the line of toxic comic book fan. I understand that movies are a separate media and the and you know they they can they're allowed their own interpretations. I get that, but there needs to be some element. That feels like the source material and nothing about this Riddler does. And I talked about this and it's because I don't think you possibly can. I don't think you can fit the Riddler in a realistic setting. Because if you do, you do one of two things. One, you either really lean into the psycho aspect of him, in which case he just becomes the Joker. Right. Or two you find some other way for him to be threatening, which is what they did here. They basically made him like a domestic terrorist and it just, it stopped feeling like the Riddler at that point. All right. I mean, uh, that's your interpretation. You're allowed that. I, I kind of disagree, but I also kind of agree because the other way, if you go psychotic, yeah, the other way opposite of that is that if you make him too much like that, the movie loses realism and therefore goes in a camp. Exactly. And exactly. This movie cannot work with camp. Right. Like, and, and that's something that's what I'm saying. So you can't make him accurate to the comic because if you do, then you've got a realistic ass movie with a super realistic Batman and then a guy in a green bowler hat going, riddle me this Batman. Like, you know, it doesn't work. You end Um, up with Adam West Riddler. I will say uh, one of the things I do want to ask you really quick. Yes. Has Robert Pattinson become your favorite live action Batman as he is for me? Who is your favorite live action? It's still Michael Keaton. Michael. Well, it's, it's Adam West. But if we if we put that aside, it's Michael Keaton. Wow. I still I still hold that 1980 uh, Batman 1989 is the perfect Batman movie. Wow. Uh Okay, that's a take. You heard it here. <laughs> uh I, I don't know. I just uh whatever. We we that that can be a a discussion for another episode. Case of. Uh anyway, <laughs> Uh, my news, uh, yeah, the Resident Evil anniversary uh, happened. Capcom did a countdown again because they counted down for Street Fighter 6 and everybody was disappointed with that. Uh-huh. Guess what the anniversary was? An NFT. Close. A thank you on oh, a okay. web page. And that was it. That was. And, and tune in for more news. But they did uh-huh. a countdown for this. That's it. Yep. Yeah, that 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 tracks. O for Sounds two, like Capcom. O for two. Uh, <laughs> yep. If you're paying attention to the Bone King's Twitter and his Discord, he is 
absolutely livid and he wants yeah. Capcom to quit Resident Evil. He just wants it to die. Um because of course he has hyperbole. Uh but but really that's the only piece of news I have. Okay. Well then. Uh uh, hang tight for a quick break, folks. When we get back, we're going to get into the question of the week, which is what makes a good Batman story? See you in a minute, freaks. Hey, everyone. This is George, the Bone King, interrupting this transmission to tell you about the Fan Freaks podcast, the podcast where we freak out about our favorite movies, games, comics, and any media in between. Check us out on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Hope to get freaky with you all very soon. <laughs> Welcome back, freaks. So, like we said before the break, we're going to get into it now. It is our question of the week. What makes a good Batman story? He doesn't kill. That's it, folks. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) He does an 89 Batman, though. No, I know. No, look. Tech, look, we don't know that maybe humans in this world are are more durable. Maybe I know you could argue he doesn't kill an 89 Batman. He definitely kills in Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah, poor Bam Bam Bigelow getting stra- a bomb strapped to his chest. <laughs> yeah. If only Wes listened to Michael Keaton, that way you could get rid of a bomb. That's right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, okay. the question is, what makes a good Batman story? And we're talking about across media here. I don't think this needs to be media specific. I yeah no I could argue with that I I could agree with that sorry not argue with that I could agree with that because um the crux of Batman itself he is such a malleable story for any medium for comic for TV for animated and for film it's yes. great all around um I would argue that Batman is harder to write for than his his other counterpart, Superman. Yes, you think he's because harder to write for. I do. To well, to some extent, at least when it comes to characterization, meaning Clark's character is pretty ironclad. Right. You get me. Like everyone has a or should have a pretty solid understanding of who Cal L is. Meanwhile, Bruce has gone through so many different characterizations in his 80-year history. Not only that, that um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about the Batman uh-huh. and about Batman itself in almost every media, in every story mm-hmm. is that pivotal question, which is the mask? Batman or Bruce Wayne? Right. What, what makes which one the mask yeah and that that's something i really think the batman nailed down perfectly and i also think that's something you need it doesn't have to be beating in your face like with batman begins it's not who i am uh not what i wear it's who i am underneath yeah. that defines me uh, yeah that yeah you don't need that in your face but as a subtle type of story i think would be great where we get to really see the dichotomy of what makes Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne and what makes Bruce Wayne Batman? 
So I want, since since we brought it up, I want to talk about that comparison for a moment because two of the biggest differences between this movie's Bruce Wayne and uh, Nolan's uh, Bruce Wayne is Nolan's Bruce Wayne is the Tony Stark type. He's the billionaire philanthropist playboy. Yeah. This Bruce Wayne is a recluse. Yeah. And I think that works better. Yeah, nobody nobody sees him. Nobody even knows if he's alive or dead. Nobody can find yeah. out where he is. Yeah. And it also helps that he's um while I do appreciate Nolan's Batman for what it was, uh-huh. It just never rubbed off the right way for me because this Batman, Pattinson's Batman, really nailed the trauma that Wayne would have. Yes. Um, and it just permanently carries. And what was different w- between Begins and Dark Knight was like a three-year gap or something like that, whereas mm-hmm. this one has a, or is it a year gap or two-year gap? But this one is literally year two, and he's consistently going, and there are still people in Gotham that don't believe in him. Yeah. Like, he's a myth. He's a mythos, yeah. and that's what he wants. And that's something here that I really do enjoy. If you were to do a story, James, I got to ask you, there's there's a, there's something really important. Okay. The love interest. Do uh-huh. you have a love interest or do we have Batman as a loner? I kind of wish, which I guess we're probably going to get some more of in the sequel, but... um. Well, I feel like we're talk. We're, we're, I feel like we're leaning into a discussion about the Batman, and that's not what this should be. No, but I'm trying to make a story. I know. I would rather not. Okay, I I kind of agree with you there because the tone I want in my Batman story, if I were to make a Batman story, it would yes. honestly have to have two faces of villain because that's my favorite villain. Okay, and I would like it to be a philosophical discussion. Uh, well, if a better writer than I to use the duality of Bruce Wayne, Batman, and its polar opposite counterpart of Two Face and Harvey Dent. Hmm. Okay. 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 I dig that. I like that. And of course, the final fight has to happen at Janus Bank or the Second <laughs> National Bank of Gotham, because two has to exist always. I like it. I, 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 I do love Two-Face. I think Two-Face is fantastic. Uh, I, I, I'm very... Uh, I lean a lot towards Ra's al Ghul as my favorite uh, villain. Okay, so you said you pronounced it that way. You do I know, know there's an argument over the pronunciation no, of No, I know. And if I'm going to be honest with you, it changes depending on the day how I pronounce the shit. Like... <laughs> Rage, <laughs> like it, it's I know and it doesn't matter let's be real here uh, I guarantee you the League of Shadows argue behind closed doors like <laughs> how do you call him what do you call him just demon's head just go with demon's head yeah, I don't know dude I, I, I know that some guy mispronounced it and he's dead now and I don't know which one he said so I just don't say it shit he's coming <laughs> shit he's coming <laughs> but here's the big thing I want to talk about when it comes to Batman stories. And I, I know I still am trying to get away from the Batman, but I, one of the things that excites me about a potential sequel for the Batman is that I think we might be heading in this direction. With the exception of like Schumacher, 
so much Batman media since Tim Burton has focused on this dark, gritty Batman. And I feel like it almost came to a head with Batfleck, Ben Affleck's uh, Batman. Oh, Murder Bat. Yeah. Murder Bat. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, I'd like to talk about possibly one of my favorite moments in any Batman story ever. And it's from the Justice League Unlimited episode epilogue. Okay. Hang on. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Where he uh, where he talks to Amanda Waller, I think. No, no, it's the moment where he uh, where no one can find Ace from the Royal Flush Gang, and he finds her sitting on a swing set. Oh, where he sits down with her, and he sits down with her and holds her hand because she's dying. Yeah. Uh, Batman has a heart, and like. I would love if a movie or even comics remembered that sometimes. Like, so much of the media portrays him as just this, like, obsessive, like, almost psycho who is only obsessed with justice at any cost. Like, some honestly, like, there, some Peacemaker is almost a parody of Batman. Like the with the way that they portray Batman sometimes, and that drives me fucking nuts. Batman has a heart, and we should see that. The only the only thing I have an issue in your in your how do I say it? in your example is that my fear is if you put a kid in anywhere in the panel in the scene immediately Robin. <laughs> just, literally just, i said that so many times watching the movie with that one kid bro me too i was like yo robin <laughs> like you need to be careful with orphans around this man um <laughs> but he, no I, he was technically a half orphan he's half robin now uh-huh. yeah. um, but that's that i feel like that is something we desperately need like don't get me wrong you need to explore the the, the trauma that this man lives with on a daily basis, the, the 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 damage to his psyche that the death of his parents caused. But the death of his parents didn't just turn him into this dark, you know, bitter man. It also left him with a legitimate soft spot for children and a deep understanding of people's suffering. I and, I I agree with you in that regard. I think one of the one of the very overlooked things is how often he gives when he is a philanthropist. More most likely in the uh, more recently, excuse me, in the comics with Rebirth Batman, where he would, you know, he was competing with Oliver Queen on who could give more to the needy and right. ty- types of things like that, where he would give to the shelter as Bruce Wayne. But if you really look at it, when when Batman's starting out, like with uh, John Byrne in 86, uh, during that Man of Steel meetup at the first time, Batman, what is he doing? He's saving, a, a you know, a mugging or a rape. Yeah. He's saving a woman from a rape. Like these things, he's a street level guy. And more often than not, the Justice League are always what? Galactic level threats, yeah. Earth level threats. But who cares for the little guy? You got to look at it from that perspective. And I think with your Batman story, you could do that. 
but who would be your villain? So in terms of like with stories like that, like for example, condom king. I'm going to cover everyone in mustard. No. (laughs) Um, I would, you know, honestly, I would like to see them take another crack at see here's my pro okay fuck joel schumacher uh (laughs) because hidden within that circus of a movie that he wrote is actually a really compelling relationship between hero and villain with batman and mr freeze oh okay yeah i would love them to bring back the Army? version of Mr. Freeze. No, oh. man, get out of here. <laughs> Just the version of Mr. Freeze who isn't like a crazy stalker who like totally invented the whole Nora being his wife thing. Like, I hate that. I like the version of him that is legitimately a man drawn to desperation because he's intent on saving his wife. Mm. But the difference is, I don't think it should have a happy ending. Nora has to die. I think Nora's already dead. Oh, and and Victor doesn't like recognize it. He doesn't believe it. Yeah, exactly. See, but that's that's a good dichotomy because you could you could present that with Bruce not letting go of his parents. Yeah, exactly. But he has a level of understanding, and maybe it could even be a level of like even like a, a level of, like a, some growth for him. Where, like, sure, let's say fucking Freeze does all this shit. He's doing all of this in an attempt to save his wife. I want a moment between Bruce or Batman and Mr. Freeze where they, like, Batman has to be like, you have to acknowledge that she's gone. Like, where he, like, gets down to a human level with this man. Like, I would, I want something like that. And I think Mr. Freeze works really well for that. As much shit as we give Batman and Robin, one of the nicest things was when Arnie's freeze cried and the tear turned into ice. Yeah. So you would want something similar like that where freeze cries when he recognizes that, yeah, she really is gone and I have to let her go. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. Uh, And the the reason I brought up the Joel Schumacher thing is because in the Joel Schumacher thing, the best thing, the most heroic thing Batman has done in almost any of these movies was in that movie because he cures Nora. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the shit we need. We need shit like that. I like I need Batman. Oh, no, 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 to- no, no. Nora wasn't healed. She but he gives like funding for yeah, freeze. Right. Where, Sorry. Uh, you can work at Arkham to, to cure your wife. Yeah. Yeah. That. Sure. Uh, my point is he he does something <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. beyond just beat the shit out of somebody. Um, don't get me wrong. I love the mafia aspect of Batman. I like how tied he is to it. Uh, and I do like that we're leaning into that with this movie, with this, uh, with this movie. But I need. I need a villain that's going to give Bruce an opportunity to reflect upon himself. 
because I'm very tired of these very shallow Batman stories where it's just like, I feel like Batman hasn't grown in the movies or really in the comics. Admittedly, I'm not caught up. I'm not like caught up on current comics. So maybe something's happening out there that I don't know about. But throughout historically, throughout Batman's history, I feel like oftentimes the opportunity is missed to really dig in to the human, the man part of Batman, <laughs> like the human aspect of him. It's uh, interesting and, that you didn't do a man bat uh, villain story here because usually you love man bat. I do love Man Bat. I love Kurt Wagner. Not Kurt Wagner. <laughs> Kurt Langstrom. <laughs> Langstrom, yeah. <laughs> Nightcrawler. Uh, anyway, uh, I love Kurt Langstrom, but he's less sympathetic. Yeah, because he's a Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, it's a Jekyll and Hyde monster, so it's a little different. There's nothing driving him to be this way other than what he's done to himself. You get me? Right. The yeah, so that that so I, I feel like he's a little less sympathetic. Don't get me wrong, I would love a man bat in the movies, but that's not like in my story, that's not what I'm going for. I love and also I don't, and since, since we're since I know it's already implied, but I want to state I don't want him tied to the Justice League or anything like that. I just want Batman because I'm gonna be honest with you, other than the animated series. I don't think I've ever enjoyed Batman as part of the Justice League. Like in the I comics, do, for example, because he pays okay. for everything. Okay, sure, man. <laughs> but like, I'm just saying, like, I'm when, just when trying you, to match your pedanticness. I, I get it, my pedantry. Uh, I get it, but like again, like I said, like when you start. When you start making Bruce fight gods, you get him further away from the human part of him. Yeah. Like when you start getting into shit like Hellbat armor, like I can't I can't roll my eyes enough. Like it's so hard to fucking breed. I mean, yeah. That uh that was a comic that I own and read and then said, <laughs> "What the fuck was this?" Yeah. Um and it was all to bring Damien back from the dead. And uh, that that was a weird arc, man. That yeah. was a really weird arc. Um, and the same goes for when Kurt Grant Morrison wrote Batman and had him shoot Darkseid with a radon gun. Yeah. But let's go back but. to to this story. So let's say, for example, in your story, we have Batman, but it, no league involvement. It's just it's localized 100 percent in Gotham. Yes. Victor Freeze, um, Dr. Freeze, excuse me, uh, is overcoming the death of his wife, but he doesn't realize it yet. He's in he denial. Yes. He's in denial. He's in that fi the first stage of, yes, grief. of grief. And some, you could argue, Batman's been stuck at that first, or no, at the, what was no. it, the, the depression or the anger? Yeah, both. <laughs> What stage? What stage of grief is vengeance? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, that's the sixth stage. Um, so I I also have to ask, like, yeah, does your story have an Alfred? Of course it does. You have to have an Alfred. Okay. 
does it have the Bat family? Would you have Barbara? Would you have Dick? Would you have, um, or would they not be included in the story? Depends. Like if I'm writing like for like a comic, then yeah, I think uh, I think maybe like you could have like specifically like Barbara in her Oracle role, or someone in his ear that reminds him that Victor's a human. You know what I mean? That like reminds him. Probably Dick would probably be yeah. best for that. Um, yeah, because certainly not Jason, and certainly I don't not know Jamie. about that either. Jason's see that's Jason's another problematic character where he's often misunderstood by his writers, and that bothers me. Because I feel like they kind of uh, reduce him to just the edgy member of the Bat Family. And that's that's not him. He's got a lot more going on than that. So he kind of suffers the same fate that Bruce does. If you ever get a chance, uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws Rebirth, really yep. great by Scott Lobdell. I really enjoy it. Red Hood was really fleshed out there, and it shows how smart he is. Yeah. Because he, yep. uh, yep. he outwits um, Black Mask in that. Nice. Uh, so... For my story, I really yes. do I, I do want to stick with Two-Face and that whole dichotomy there. I do like Alfred being there, but I kind of want to make Alfred in my story the pivotal part to make him remember that you will always be a Wayne, even if it is your mask type of thing. Like, to keep him in check. Mm, I think I would I like that. Um, so, because if... Bruce goes too far into the deep end. That's full on Batman. That's that's where Bruce Wayne's fully the mask. And I feel yeah. you need to rein that in. And I think Alfred's the perfect foil for that. Interesting. Okay. 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 I dig that. I also would not want a love story in this. Um, granted, my story, I'm conceptualizing it as just a two hour film. If I were to do it, it'd be a two-hour okay. film. So I don't know what type of medium you're thinking of. Because yours sounds really good as a as a both a film and an animated film. Yeah. Mine, I don't think, would work as animated, but still. Because there's not a lot of action in mine. But yours possibly has a lot of action. You got to have action, though. Also, mm. we forgot to mention the fucking car. What about it? What car? What, what Batmobile are we using? Are we making a uh, new one? <laughs> I, I I like classic Batmobiles. I like them to look like I, I don't need them to look like battle tanks. Same. I fucking hate the tumbler. Yeah, I I, I hate the tumbler. Uh, what the Batfleck Batmobile did, where they kind of took the tumbler and made it a little more stylistic, that was fine. Uh, you could hardly call what's in the Batman a Batmobile. It's I like, like a, it. I like it, but it's not the Batmobile. It's like a, it's ba it's just a muscle car. <laughs> It's What's just wrong a, with that? Nothing. It's just not a Batmobile. It's like a prototype, which I'm okay with. Um. Oh, so no, you, uh, I think ahead. I I think I would like because my favorite Batmobile is the one that doesn't physically exist yet, which is the animated series like Cadillac with the grill in the front. Yeah, that's such a stylistically like it's ingrained. When I think Batmobile, that's the first thing that comes to mind. See, my my immediate Batmobile is Tim Burton's Batmobile. Uh, that is it immediately what pops into my head. 
Um, I do also like Forever's Batmobile. I'm just going to throw it out there. With the blue lights? Yeah, like the hmm. the blue lights. But no, we don't talk about Batman and Robin's Batmobile. The, no. the, glo- the glowing vibrator we don't talk about. Right. No, no, we do not. Um, yeah, so that's what I like for Batmobile. But again, um, so in your story, I feel like you have a really good opportunity to explore because they, they kind of did this a little bit in the dark Knight, and I kind of wish they would have leaned into it more. Uh, the ineffectiveness of the justice system, not just its corruption, but the ineffectiveness and yeah. what role vigilantes have in justice, because I think they should address the fact that, Batman is a guy that, for the most part, goes around hitting poor people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like there, there's there's a breaking jaws, breaking backs. Tell me yeah. where the drugs are going. I can barely talk. I don't care. Uh-huh. Tell me, like Jesus. Yeah. Um. I I do I would like that. I I think Harvey is perfect for that example. Yeah. Just a whole thing of the coin and the whole thing of 50 50 best odds yada 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 i really think that would be great to exemplify that i kind of need them to take it to a more extreme than they did in the dark knight though admittedly the dark knight uh he wasn't the main villain in the dark knight which is fine um but i need a two-faced that is far more unhinged Cause like the what compare continuing to compare it to the Dark Knight, I'm not saying I want like a Tommy Lee Jones two face, uh, but I'm saying I want. I don't know. It just. I need more of a change. I need there to be a more divisive, like a more, a, a more divisive line between Harvey and Two Face. I need to see that that struggle in personality in him. With Harvey, yes. You could argue, well, not we're we're not we're not we're not amateur psychologists here, but I, I guess in this case we are. <laughs> he would be bipolar disorder, so we would need to show the maximum of the mood swing. But so yes, but it needs to be bipolar without stepping into multiple personality disorder. Um, because that's not what he is. He's not, he doesn't it, like uh, Harvey Dent and two face aren't split personalities. They're just extremes of one person and the extreme that something can take you to. Um, so one, to that, one, ex- well, uh, sorry, one no, thing, okay, one thing I really like, and there's something that not a lot of people talk about, is that the reasons why Harvey developed the big bad, uh, big bad Harv personality, the two faced personality, yeah. or that disorder, bipolar disorder, is due to the trauma from his father beating him, right. as as shown in Batman Annual ninety two, which I think is 
arguably one of my favorite comics of all time. Eventually, I would like to get that graded. But in that, he has the double-sided coin, and his father said, if it's heads, you get the belt. If it's not, right, you, you get away scot-free, and it was a double-sided coin. And I think that's something else where we could, maybe if I could develop it into a show and just have Harvey as the season one villain or something, where you could show the example of good parents with Bruce's parents and bad parents with Harvey's parents and kind of hmm. show how, how mistreat forms mental illness. Okay. 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 Eventually my, my, my thing is becoming more and more just an example of how bad mental illness is. Yeah. And I think that's definitely something that should be explored because it's either explored in almost a tokenistic way, like in comics, or it's just ignored altogether. Uh, meaning uh, Bruce's mental state, like the, yeah. the, the effect of the, of the trauma has had on him. Um, and don't get me wrong. They, they've gone into it in the comics and, I just feel like, I don't know, that's something that, that is such an intrinsic part of him that anytime you overlook that, you are doing a disservice to the character. Shit, bro. The one time they kind of explored that was Batman Forever with Nicole Kidman lusting after Batman as a psychologist. Like, all right, you need to calm down and stick to your job. You can't fuck Yeah, relax, your Nicole. Like uh, Chase Meridian, Doctor Chase Meridian. Jesus yeah. Christ, these names. Um, <sighs> on the other end of the spectrum, though, if we're really leaning in to Batman confronting his monsters, his demons, I also think Hugo would be a great villain. You know, that's a good one. That is a good one. Shit. You put you, you put. Fuck it, dude. Put Bruce in Arkham Asylum. Have him committed? Have him committed. But by who? Who would... Alfred? No. No, no, no. This, this can't be... No, this has to be some plot by Hugo. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, because he already knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Of course he does. Everybody does at this point. But yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Let's put let's put Bruce in a situation where in someone's attempt to break him to 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 have his his mental, you know, his 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 trauma eat him alive. He instead comes out the other end of it. Mm. And I would kind of love a moment that's kind of similar to the end of the Batman Beyond movie. Where he turns it around on him. Turns it around on Hugo. In this. On Hugo. Yeah. Okay. I would love a moment where Batman become where Bruce becomes so self-aware that he turns it around on Hugo and starts making Hugo like. Psychotic. fall. Yeah. Start falling into his psychosis. Um, I think that would actually be really compelling, too. And would give an opportunity, and that would also give an opportunity for a human moment from Batman to maybe because that's something else too. I feel like a lot of Batman stories kind of 
Like Batman just kind of ignores the obvious atrocities that must be happening in Arkham Asylum. For real, bro. He doesn't like, do anything. Like, like it's yeah. a revolving door at Arkham. Exactly. The, the human rights violations that must be going on at Arkham Asylum have to be intense. And I would love Bruce to actually face that. Again, they've done this in the comics, but I don't feel like they do it enough. They don't. Usually it's uh, you're in the comics. Usually it's him, you know, being a martyr and saving the city or something like that or being close to death. Yada, yada, yada. They don't like explore the things he's sending these people to. Why aren't they getting better? That's yeah. never exp- at, at least a if you guys know of a story where they explore that. Yo, tweet at me because I want to read it. Um, I mean, one of the better portrayals of like Arkham Asylum that we that I that I, I can remember it. Uh, fucking who wrote this? Oh, uh, Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum. Uh, a serious house on a serious earth or on serious earth or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I love that art style. Oh, yeah. It's fucking it's so painterly and rough and raw. I love it. Um, but yeah, I like that. We came pretty close to something like that, but I, I need more of that. Really, I feel like what I'm getting down to here is just I need Batman to be just, I don't know, I need him to be more than just the guy who beats people up. Because, kind of like how, and I, I, I know you don't necessarily agree with me. Kind of like how Superman's powers are the least interesting part of his character for me. Batman's, you know, war on crime through Gotham is often the least interesting part of Batman for me also. No, I it's, agree with you on Superman. I I, I read about Superman because I want to be, you know, inspired for hope and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Yeah, the big bad battles with Mongol or Darkseid, those are interesting and those are cool. And I get hyped for that, like, it, you know, because, shit, I'm a Dragon Ball fan. Those are the biggest <laughs> Dragon Ball moments. But I want Clark. I want that heart. And I think, like, also with the Batman, this is, again, we, sorry for keep bringing it up, but in that third act with the, uh, the stadium. Uh-huh. So, Obviously, such a fucking Zack Snyder move with the fucking flare and him walking him out. Sure. But I loved it. I loved it to death. I was like, yeah, that's that's what I want. Give me give me those fucking allegories. Well, that's yeah, I agree. Um, And again, that's why I was saying that this movie seems like it could be leading up to a Batman that has hope. And that's fucking wild to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy sauce. You can't do that. <laughs> I mean, so, he yeah. even says it as a line of like inner monologue. Yeah. I have to be something more. Yep. And that's true. That's what we want from the crux of this episode. We want more of the heart of Batman, not necessarily the fist of Batman. Yeah, exactly. I, I The Dark Knight is a great moniker and all. But he, Gotham is not a city that needs Superman. Gotham is a city that needs a Batman who cares. Gotham is a city that needs someone 
it doesn't need like Superman is an example of the, the uh, of the best of humanity, even though he's not human. That's not what Gotham needs. Gotham needs someone who lives and breathes its air and understands what the, what its people need to rise above the the grime and the dirt that 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 it, that it, that it inundates the city. And you can't do that if you're nothing but a force of violence. Everybody talks about the Dark Knight, but nobody other talks about we we joked about Lethal Protector, but yeah, Batman's other name was Gotham's Protector. Yeah, that's, that's his other name that doesn't get used as much because it doesn't sound as cool. But yeah, he needs to protect the people, whereas also he needs to represent represent something that doesn't get talked about enough and that's trauma and that's mental illness that's he's perfect for that i'm sure there's plenty of people out there plenty of kids out there students who made their thesis argument on on batman sure and you know what that's you know we talked about like uh, gotham's protector that's something else too that i want more of in my batman I want, and we got a little bit of that here. Again, where it's 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 topical, whatever the Batman, but like the Batman is or Batman is based on Zorro. Yeah, and Zorro's a revolutionary. Like yeah. he's there, like he's there to incite revolution and be a symbol of hope for his people. Like we need more of that. I want that part of Batman that, like, when he's saying he wants to change Gotham City. Like, I want him out there, like, leading a revolution. Being the symbol of change, as opposed to just the dark boogeyman of the streets. Bruce Wayne for mayor? Oh, I don't know about all that. That's, that's complicated. (laughs) Maybe, like, I don't know. That, that becomes problematic, because if you put Bruce Wayne in the spotlight, that that makes the whole Batman as a secret identity thing way less believable. Um, no, I just, I want... I want the villains to be afraid of him, not because he could hurt them, but because he could turn the people against them. Oh, like he he could turn all the henchmen against them. Uh, sure, like, like, like we, they'll just quit or whatever. Or the Joker's worried that the whole city's going against them. Yeah. You want you want the Spider Man scene in the in the subway train where oh, if you want him, you got to get through us. You want that moment? Kind of a little bit of that, yeah. Because I kind of feel like Spider Man's relationship with New York is, is not dissimilar to what his relationship to Gotham should be. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know what else I could say here without going into like a, a like a loop of just fucking make him more human. I need those moments. Hashtag more man, less bat. Yeah. Yeah, man. I again, it's it's so yeah. So to summarize, my story focuses heavily on the emotional uh the emotional trauma to our uh, cause to our hero and to our villain uh Victor Freeze and it should end don't get me wrong it's probably got a big beat down fight and all this stuff but 
let's you know what let's have a moment where in the fight victor accidentally damages the cryo tank oh and he kills his wife no she's already dead that's my oh, point. no no sorry she's already dead she's just literally frozen she's a nora popsicle um and just he has like a full like he goes from delusion to full mental breakdown and that's the moment where Bruce realizes that, like, the violence is not the tool here. It's the human, the, the talking to the man that is in pain is what he needs to do. Like, that's the moment that I want. That's that's my Batman. Uh, my story uh, focuses on the duality of Bruce Wayne Batman and who really is the mask and the villain would be Harvey to be the foil for that, to show the extreme opposite point of that question. Yeah. And it would also focus on mental illness and how to overcome that. Hopefully in a positive way, not in any, uh, we don't endorse anybody dressing up in hockey pads and going out on the town, <laughs> but I, I think, I think we got a good story here. And I think with yours specifically, they need to lean hard into Bruce having a moment or Bruce realizing that the difference between him and Two-Face is a razor thin margin. Yeah. Because that, that's also a very humanizing, real thing to come to grips with. But I invite you, freaks, to tell us what are some of your favorite Batman stories and give us some examples because we're honestly lacking some sources here just because we're in a very like nebulous realm of thought. But tell us some of your favorite examples of like moments from any Batman media that you would like to see focused on more. Uh, you can do so by hitting us up on our Twitter, which is at F-A-N-F-R-E-E-K-S. That's Fan Freaks. You can also go to our website, fanfreaks.com. Uh, to keep up to date with uh, this podcast and our sister podcasts. Uh, uh, that's a, uh, You can find me on Twitter at Dr. That's D-R. Rude M-D. You can find me at Adrian Dooliness on Twitter. I, I think we're getting close to the shout out time. I, I do think it is shout outs time. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll start with our hunt boys. Justin, Jeff, Scott, thank you guys so much. Uh, Justin is a, a a peach of a man, truly a beautiful human being. Um, you know, Just this don't is, trust him with anything. <laughs> mid ribs, them ribs were mid. <laughs> I feel so bad about that. I'm sorry, Scott. <laughs> Scott's pissed about it. Like I I talked to him about it in person. He was mad. I'm not, I did not see, I feel bad because the man came over and made me some ribs though. It was not his fault that the ribs did not come out to the highest quality. It was just a, a, a lack of ingredients and a lack. I feel so bad. I'm so sorry, Scott. I love yeah, you. He wants love a do over. He wants a do over. That, By the way, fair. Papa rude wants to do a rib off with him. Oh, okay. Okay, 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 okay. I, I mean, look, anyone who wants to feed me ribs is welcome in my house. Uh, <laughs> uh, my sister Cheyenne, I love them so much. I, I appreciate the, uh, their input on the show. Hey, they, uh, they wanted to, they have notes. Mm -hmm. uh, they loved the car episode, actually. 
Uh, and they were not surprised at all that dad was too eager <laughs> to participate <laughs> in that one. Um, and yeah, that pretty much does it for, and of course, all the freaks for, that listen in. You guys are awesome. The lifeblood of the brand. Thank you guys so much. You guys are great. Dude, what do you got? Uh, so I got uh, Lindsay Misleading, our resident Satana Zatara, Jesus Valentine, Nicholas Yuritek, the Robots Don't Age, who Cody, CJ, Kehlani, love you guys, Paul Fusek, Oscar Ortiz, Samuel Torres. Uh, let's go with some boners. We got uh, Screechy Kai, uh, Beefy Sumo, Burnsy, uh, Crows of the Dam. I said it right. Yeah. Uh, Boogle? Boogle. Von Condersmite. Yeah. I think that's it. I don't know, man. He's got a lot of them. They're hard to keep track of. I keep asking him for a fucking list, and he never gives me the list. We said Azumi uh, Shenmaru, right? No, I did not. There you go. Azumi Shenmaru. There you go. Whatever, man. All you, all, all of you boners. You guys are fantastic. Thank you guys so much. Oh, Barb. Uh, there you Brawling go. Barb. <laughs> Yeah, because Chrome and Pixel doesn't listen. That's that's what he said. I know. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, right. I think that's it. Uh, yeah, thank you once again, guys. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are awesome. We'll see you later. Is that your signal? I'm needed elsewhere. <laughs> there's some, there's somebody's wrong about something, and I need to be pedantic about it. I'm off. Ah!